Hey everyone, this is Phil, your friendly neighbourhood host of this podcast. Now, before we get on to this episode, I just want to mention how you can support us at High Five Adventure. Now, High Five has seen firsthand the ongoing impact of the pandemic on students and teachers. There has never been a more urgent time to support classrooms and communities as they rebuild. You can help High Five reach teach and transform the lives of young people with a gift of any size. You can donate online by visiting our website at highfiveadventure.org. That's H-I-G-H, the number five, adventure.org, and click on the support us at the very top of the page. From everyone at High Five and myself, thank you so much for your support and on to the episode. Welcome back to all of our listeners joining us again on Vertical Playpen, and welcome, welcome to those who are new to this podcast. My name is Phil, I am the host, and today I was joined by our Executive Director, Jim Grout, as we discuss a term called Sweeping the Shed, which came from James Kerr's book, Legacy. The Legacy book by uh, James Kerr was recommended to me by a guy named Max Offenberger. Mm-hmm. And he said, you're going you're gonna to love this book because it's all about team development and chemistry. And, and I bet I've read, I don't know how much, that's over the years, so many books with mm-hmm. that kind of tone to them. There, I have never read one that was like Legacy. There's a chapter in there called Sweep the Sheds. And it, the byline or the subtitle is, never be too big to do the small things that need mm-hmm. to be done. And when I think of life, I just think that is so, so true. I've always felt like people sort of show you more about who they are when they don't think you're watching. Mm -hmm. It's even indicative in the fellow that wrote the book is a guy named uh, James Kerr. And when you look in the book, there's no bio. You know, you'd say there's a picture and a bio. Mm. Nope. There's a few little references to where you can find information about him. But then you have to go that. So even I thought even his own humility, because I think of that, you know, the sweeping the sheds thing is a lot about humility. But to not be pushing himself. He was pushing. This is quite a story about, it's all about the all blacks rugby Mm -hmm. team in New Zealand and the richness of their culture that I think they're the winningest sports team in the history of sport. Something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Huge. Yeah. And you know, they have some, you know, they've made some videos now and they, they probably, the more exposure they get, the less they'll win or something. (laughs) Yeah. Better off to work quietly. Exposing our secrets. Right. Exactly. I know that Amazon prime, for those who have Amazon prime, you can find a documentary on the New Zealand All Blacks, which really features yeah. a lot of this this concept of humility that they have in the team. I think that a great story, I think it's referenced in in this book that I always go back to and I refer to when I mention Sweep to Sheds to people that I work with, is that they there was a year that they won, and they've won the Rugby World Cup many, many years. Yeah. It's like yeah. such most. a great history. But there was a time when they'd won at their most recent. And most often teams, when they win something, there's a big celebration. They do walks around the stadium to this adulation mm-hmm. of the crowd. But as soon as they had won, the coach beckons them down to their sheds, and that's what they call their locker room is the shed. And they immediately go into starting doing their own laundry. They're actually sweeping and cleaning their yeah. own space, and they have to do their chores before they go back out to receive the trophy. So even even in their greatest achievement of a sports team, 
they never stop doing the small things, yeah. which I just, I love that concept. And they're most veteran players. And, they, and they, yeah. You know, it's and the it's, season. Yeah. They lead by example. And, yeah. you know, it was a beautiful, I probably have too many hockey examples of mm. things, but, you know, some of the work that we've done with sort of at that level for sports teams mm-hmm. has been been very intriguing just because of the high level of it. And then, but at every level, people are people. In that arena, sometimes you sense, oh, they're going to have big heads about themselves or whatever. And I think it was the, not I think it was the very first year the Boston Bruins came to high five and we had a big tent set up on the hill, did the morning activities and things like that. And then uh, we finished a little bit early. So it might've been like quarter 12 or something. And all the players went up and sat under the tent and we were waiting, but lunch wasn't there yet. Mm-hmm. And our caterer, he was on time, but he always oh, he drives up with his truck and and he's panicked because he sees he knew who the audience was going to, he was serving that day. Yeah. He thought, oh my word, I'm late. And but he pulled up with his pickup truck on the top of our hill, and I'll never ever forget it. And I actually wrote him about it after the fact. But uh, Zidane Chara, who was the captain of the Bruins mm-hmm. at the time and, and still is, immediately jumped up and went over to the truck and started carrying lunches. And it, it just you know, that's one of those things where you wonder, you just see what people do when they don't, you know, who was watching, mm-hmm. was watching. We, it was a very private affair. Yeah. And I remember that two of the, uh, I think it was uh, Tyler Sagan and Brad Marchand were rookies. And I remember them looking at each other and then they immediately jumped up and thought, Jesus, yeah. we better go start carrying lunches. I'll never forget the look in our caterer's eyes when he realized who was helping mm-hmm. him. But I thought, what a wonderful thing. I mean, you know, people are people and needed help carrying lunches. So there wasn't this you know, servitude thing, like service us now, like example stuck with me. And then years later, Chara had done an article in the Boston Globe about leadership and didn't mention that example. But I remember saying a note, you know, through our avenues to mm-hmm. get it to him, but just highlighting that, seeing that at that time. And there's a, a wonderful thing about, I always think of like, what does the world look like through the eyes of children? I'm sure there's books about that or whatever, but you know, people say, well, what's right or wrong? There's no real right or wrong. It's like in the set. And, and mm-hmm. I always think if you want to measure what's right and wrong, ask yourself, how does this look through the eyes of children? Whether it's, it, it, it could be your daughter. What does that action look like? What does that verbal statement look like? And I just think it's such a wonderful thing. You know, the, sometimes when I'm down at the crosswalk in Brattleboro, you know, and they have, you, you don't cross because you got to push the button. And then people will cut across. And I remember a guy saying to me one time, People were cutting across, and, and he said, I don't like that. And I says, why is that? He goes, well, children could be watching. And I thought that was pretty powerful. I mean, that, that's less sweep the sheds behavior, but just sort of But the it's that of- same concept of, like, <clears throat> setting role modeling and examples. Our motto, connect, mm. empower, lead, be the example. Yeah. Like, that be the example yeah. piece is such an in- a crucial component to leadership. I worked for a guy at one point who would wander around noting where he noticed trash on the ground and then would come to you later and say, hey, I found all this trash on the ground. Can you go and pick it up? These are the locations. <laughs> well, at no point he, did he pick them up. He could yeah. have just picked that. If he did pick them up and said, hey, I just picked up all this trash. Can you do it? That shows a way different perspective. It's like mm. he's willing to do that. Of course, I'm going to be willing to yeah. do that. The sweep the sheds for a challenge courses. <clears throat> it's so perfect for us in terms of the language anyway, even though in the All Blacks, that meant their locker room. But for us and challenge course operates it's a gear yeah, shed the burn we have up at the yeah, shed and, yeah and yeah. we we sweep that and clean that i i did a an episode on first impressions where it was how the the visual imagery of your challenge course has such a psychological impression on those people who oh, see sure. it for the first time yeah. and so i think the cleanliness of our shed <clears throat> the way that we look and present ourselves is so important to the overall assumption and the comfort level with people climbing, that they're going to see this cleanliness. But it's a, we all sweep it. 
I've got a very vivid image of you sweeping the roof of that shed in my head. But it's like there's there's moments where I see you do that. We pick we've got a vacuum in our hallway and people just grab the vacuum and start cleaning and mm. and I think that as well people see that when they come to symposium. We don't have a service crew. We don't have this volunteer group of people who are going to help us run the conference, the one day symposium. Right. Yeah, but- we do it ourselves, and I think you, someone noted to you about the work ethic of the staff or something to that nature. Yeah, they just couldn't believe how quickly everything was done. And yeah. It's like the retreat, you know, we're cooking our own meals, we're doing this, we're mm-hmm. doing that. And it's it's probably one of the, if you took the whole retreat agenda over three days, but then you really just took what we do to pull it off, forget mm. the agenda, but just the action that takes place. It's, it is the sweeping the sheds and just everybody's is in it together. A school administrator, we were over in New York State a couple of years ago. When we started the workshop, and this is not, it's sweep the sheds, but I think it's not being too big to even admit what you, what you didn't do right or something mm. like that. And before the thing started, there were about 40 people, and, and some of the teachers were all wound up about some decision that got made, and what an awful decision. Well, nobody knew who made the decision, so <laughs> we were standing there, and then all this banter's going on, and they're, you know, without naming who it was because they didn't know. And finally, the, the, it was the superintendent just said, uh, that was a decision that I made. And I'm, I'm reading this, but mm. says, in, respe- in retrospect, I don't think it was the best one. And I want to apologize for doing it in isolation and without more input from all of you. I'd love your ideas on how it can be corrected, or perhaps we need to do away with it altogether. And I'll never forget the look on everybody's face that they couldn't believe that that mm-hmm. person you know, was saying, Yep, this one's on me, as opposed to I, I, she could have let the conversation go and never owned it. And probably nobody ever would have known who made the decision. But it completely changed the demeanor. And I think it was sort of the, the elevation of her position. And, you know, schools are pretty hierarchical in terms of superintendents and assistants yep. and then principals and then teachers and, and uh, paras. And, you know, you have everybody. And it just, it just, what a way to kick off pretty much in the first 20 minutes because people were still mingling and talk, but, you know, grousing about whatever this thing had been. And I, I, I remember we brought it up and talked about it. And I said, wow, that was fascinating. And, and how interesting and, if they don't, if you don't bring it up or you don't talk about it, there would be so much bad conversation and this narrative yeah. that gets played out of how bad and awful someone was, mm-hmm. or it just gets festers and festers and yeah. festers that that's one admittance of mistake takes that all away yeah. and then you see that person as a human being everyone makes mistakes people are owning it it's so interesting as psych- psychologically how we don't want to own up to stuff sometimes because we think it's going to the outcome's going to mm-hmm. be bad but the outcome isn't that bad and i you know i reflective even as a as a staff member here like i've been in meetings and i've got frustrated or something and and it's i've dwelled on oh no i'm going to get this terrible outcome and if i just own it and just say i'm sorry for reacting the way i was it was fine yeah. you know and then it's like all right yeah. we get it you're human <laughs> you know and i think that's there's a professionalism that has experience with that i think you get more comfortable with being okay with making mistakes you know we did an episode on p chords and we talk about losing them and the stress that you have about losing them and you don't (laughs) want to own it and because you you feel like it's okay you're all going to do it put your hands up and give that pitiful look oh my god what happened it's like everyone's going to do something bad at some point and it's like you know make a mistake it's owning that the vulnerability piece of owning that but i think that does come into that sweep the sheds like you know no one's too big to do the little things but it's also no no one's too big to own up to the little mistakes or own up to the stuff that you know we do as humans and i think that people even if we didn't portray the image that we have i think have people have a set image anyway of hierarchy we all just assume 
things anyway. Yeah. That the yeah. title means this is the person that makes decisions or the bigger decisions. Right. We all know that. It's like we don't have to announce it all the time. Exactly. You know? So it's like, all right, we there's that mindset. Don't forget, I'm the CEO. Yeah. How can I forget? You tell me every 20 minutes. You know, no, it's like when, when we go to clients sometimes and, we, and you get the person who is the director or the boss has to be the one to come in and then introduce the group. And yeah. you're like, you just feel that energy of like, oh God, this is the, this well, is the one. A, remember, you probably recall the situation, I think it was last year sometime in some, you know, not everybody customer's happy with high five, you know, mm-hmm. and sometimes it's our own fault. Like that's sort of the admitting it yeah. too. like, don't yeah. be too big to say, yep, we screwed up. We'll take mm-hmm. care of that. In this case we hadn't, <laughs> but we were trying to be humble and gracious and whatever. And, but this woman insisted that she talk with the boss or I'm talking oh, yeah. to the boss. You know, yeah. it's not a term we use a lot around here, <laughs> but I, I know that was my role. It was related to something with Challenge Course Services. Mm-hmm. And so I said, Todd, we're in this together. So Todd came in on the phone call. And before we started, I said, this is so-and-so. I'm executive director. And I said, but I want you to know Todd Brown is sitting with me here. And, and here's the reason why. I said, I know you asked to talk to me, but I said, we don't, we don't really play it out that way here. Mm-hmm. Meaning... Todd knows more about this situation than I do. I'm mm-hmm. not going to, though, have a private conversation then turn to Todd and say, you know, what the heck was going mm-hmm. on or whatever it was. I said, so just know whatever you say to me, you can say to Todd. And it could even be you weren't happy with something Todd or somebody else did. I said, that's fine, but we'll figure this out together. You know, and we did. And I don't know how we figured it out. In the end. <laughs> but, but again, it's one of those things where you just, I think, the humility piece of the sweep the shed piece, because like, mm. it goes beyond, actually, the literalness of sweeping the shed. But I think one of the most graphic examples I can remember, and I, I know I wrote a blog, I think, a year or so ago with this example in it, which is and included the previous ones, mm-hmm. too. But years ago, I was doing like a senior executive thing where you're on a, a sailing ship and we we're going to be out for it was two or three days, something like that. Yeah, I like boats. And was, I thought this will be fun. I've never done that. And there was about eight of them. And so we get out there and, you know, not everybody's good on boats. And this one particular no. fella was really not good on boats. And, and almost, I bet we were only out on the water an hour. And he, and we hadn't even started the program yet. And he oh. just got, he said, I got to get downstairs. He goes downstairs and you can just hear him throwing up and whatever. And so we're all upstairs and you kind of look in everybody's face and saying, yep. yikes, this does not sound good. And he came up looking very ashen, very embarrassed and whatever. And sat down he said something like okay i'm good now and, and that the ceo and he, that was his title you know he said uh, wait a minute and he went downstairs and you could hear him i think he was just like trying to clean the guy couldn't clean you know mm-hmm. who knows what he was yeah, trying same. to do down there but he, he ceo cleaned the whole thing and then he comes upstairs he goes now we're ready sort of you know announcing this is the real beginning and i i remember laughing and saying i said well, what do you want me to do now I said, we'll start the team building. And I said, I'm not sure where to go with this. I said, just think of this. I said, you're the CEO of the organization. This guy just lost his lunch in the head. And you as CEO went down and cleaned it up. And I said, there is no stronger message you could possibly send to this group in terms of how you function as a team and whatever. And I said, I'm sure we have other things to, to address. But I just yeah. mean, let's not miss this powerful, powerful example yeah. of what your culture must be like. Because I don't think there's a lot of people in your category that would have done that. You know, mm. many a time we've heard of people ignoring people because they were in the wrong status or profile yeah. or whatever it might be. And, uh, you know, he kind of chuckled and he was a pretty humble person as well. But, mm-hmm. you know, then we went on to do what we were doing for a couple of days and that poor fellow continued to be not so well. <laughs> yeah. I can't, I think yeah, that was their last sailing team building. It was like, okay, not a good idea. Yeah, it's let's like, take this thing and put it on a boat. Well, you might as well put him on a roller coaster for two days. I think <laughs> that's poor guy. <laughs> Oh,
it's about life. I mean, everything we end up doing, I think the success of High Five is that we're basically just dealing with human nature in so many ways. And people are always astounded. Why does your work cut across every audience? School-age kids to faculty groups to a, a business to mm -hmm. a sports team. And it's because the common denominators, they're all human. And one of the common denominators in terms of being human is that theme of if you truly can be humble enough and not be too big to do the small things that need to be done, I think you could lead anybody anywhere. You remember when we were out with the, the Calgary Flames and mm -hmm. I was doing some crazy ac activity with yep. them. And I remember saying to one of the guys on the team, I said, why did you just do this? And he goes, well... We trusted you, and you're the leader. I says, yeah, but, yeah. but it, I, I knew yeah. exactly what he was saying. But I, they, they had faith mm. that I wasn't leading them into something wacky yeah. or being too big to do something, you know, with them. Because what we were doing, we were all doing. And and for reference for people, if they know this activity, it was uh, back to the earth. I think <clears throat> back to the earth. Back yeah. to the earth yeah. ends up having participants licking the air with their tongues. <laughs> so, <laughs> so like, how do you get those people? But it's a good re reference on leadership about you know it's just about connecting and being human with people. And once you do that, then you can you know lead them yeah. into these different directions. It'd be but, dangerous. You better be responsible. Yeah. You can lead them places they shouldn't go, yeah. which we, we see enough of that these days. And I think people can. We ask this sometimes to imagine you know a leader that you've experienced in your life or someone that has yeah. an impact on you what characteristics do they have they're often extremely charismatic they're often very humble willing to do those small things mm -hmm. and so if you strive to being a leader in your organization or your team going back to that mindset of don't not being too big to do those small things and being more human with the people that you work with you're more likely to get them to do the things you're asking than having this pedestal yeah. that you're sitting on and you're commanding the people below me do this do this they only resent that behavior and their own. So it, it doesn't work out in your favor. I did a training, going back to the challenge course operation stuff. I was leading a training and it was, we were due to finish about four o'clock. Um, and I knew that people wanted to leave at four. And I was, you know, we finished the last climb at like 3.45. I needed to get the course put down because we'd left all these elements up. And so there was a lot of cleaning on the course to be mm -hmm. done. And so... I was deciding, you know, as a trainer, I'll help out. I would do it. The director of the program was also helping out. And we look around and everyone's got their bags on, their jackets on, and they're waiting. And I could overhear people going, <laughs> when, when can we leave? Why is oh, this I taking so story, long? Yeah, yeah. And um, actually, at the time, so if people ever see us wearing, when, when the Mannheim Eagles came to uh, High Five, which is a German ice hockey team, we put the phrase, sweep the sheds on the back of the T-shirt. Right. And because we just read that book and we wanted to have that be a component yeah, piece of GM that work. Yeah, read that as well. Right? Yeah, and so we stuck it on the back of the T-shirts. And I still wear that uh, occasionally on our trainings. And so people say, what does that mean, sweep the sheds? So I bring it up. I happened to be wearing that T-shirt at the time. It was the perfect, it was actually perfect. It couldn't have written it better, but okay. I'm right. I'm wearing the T-shirt. I'm taking their course down. The director is doing it. We've got 12 other people complaining that they want to leave. I've got places to be. And so I just, I, the director said, what do we do? Can we let them go? And I said, no, 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 let them stay and let's work slower. So we just took <laughs> the stuff down slower than we possibly could have. We were very relaxed. And I said, this will be perfect for them because they're going to realize that, you know, how they could have left early is if they helped. Sure. So sure. we went and went and went. And then, you know, it was probably 4.10 when we finished me. The director walks down, gathers with the group, and they're getting ready to leave. And I said, no, 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 everyone stick around. I just want to have a quick talk with you. And I said, back of my T-shirt, what does it say? And then I went into that exact, don't be too big to do the small things. Mm -hmm. I said, if everyone had helped, we would have been out here five minutes before the four o'clock and you would have got out on time. Sure. So... 
not one person. It was a mix of different people in the different departments. And I think some people didn't think that they were, they thought they were too big to do these things potentially. Why would they do that? Let's the challenge course manager do that or something. And they said, no, everyone needs to be a part of this together. And it was the second day of a five-day training. So it was a great opportunity just to talk it. And it changed the dynamic of the training. It seemed at the moment it was like I'm telling them off. But it was more about if we were all on board and we all help, how much the team will work out. And it ended up being for the best. Everyone helped out. People were now coiling ropes. So they're all learning how to coil. So it's not like one person knows how to do it. They're they're all tying the knots. And I, I go back to that when, you know, in terms of challenge courses, when you're running them, Everyone should be knowing all the skill sets and that will help to mm-hmm. ensure that the small things do get done by the larger sure. population. If we go to a site and only one person knows how to tie the knot, you're going to be tying that knot. If I reflect on me as a leader, you know, through my development as trying to be a leader, when I was the challenge course manager, I remember my first year, I did all of the setup. I did all of the takedown. I tied all of the knots. I put all the gear away. It looked very aesthetic, but I was doing all of the work. And so I wasn't teaching or role modeling that behavior of being allowing other people to learn. And so I took it on myself to do all of the jobs. And then it never disseminated between the groups. Well, then you get labeled as like, well, Phil does the knots. Yeah. I don't even have to think about that. Exactly. So now it's like, oh, he's always going to do that. And it doesn't really help the team realize that everyone can do it. We're all cleaning up after ourselves. We're all sweeping the shed. We're all making sure we're there doing that. And suddenly the dynamic changes. We're all in this together rather than this hierarchy of whose role is this, whose job is this. And you also don't get stuck in the position when that one person's sick and they're the not tying guy. I guess the program's not running. So it's like... Going back where we started, it was a Dana Chara as the captain of the Boston mm. Bruins and, you know, sort of an icon in the can do things like that. It's not it. None of it is that complicated. Mm-hmm. I, most of the work we do isn't that complicated. People complicate it. And yeah. I'm sure we do at times as well. But I mean, I think always going back to those basic principles, like you said, even in the legacy book, it's, it's about the business of life. Mm-hmm. Well, remember, it's about life. There's some pretty strong principles that just seem to make sense. And you know, I, I when I think of that legacy book and some of the themes in there, and but there's some there's some powerful ones in that. You know, you take all the books on leadership, and I, you know, on my bookshelf, I'd put legacy right at the top. And uh, when we used it at the retreat years ago, we yeah. Chris Ortiz and I sort of studied it and broke it into categories, and you know, and, and it still it still emerges as constant themes. It's like yeah. it's one of those ones that's sort of in the DNA of this place. And then what about thanks for listening to High Fives Podcast? Can you do it? Okay, try. Thanks for getting it. I think I'm guy. <laughs>so much for listening to this episode once again as a reminder you can support us and the work that we do with classrooms and communities by visiting our website highfiveadventure.org and clicking on the support us button at the very top of the page thank you once again stay safe and stay connected